Children are in today, so I'm doing two little talks for young and old, and they're in the form of a quiz. Um, so, Nick, I think we'll record this bit. So, um, if we could have my first uh, one Peter up. Yeah, so, here are some verses in the Bible as we continue our theme about what church is. I'm going to read this out. And adults and children, pay attention, because I'm going to be asking you questions about this. You are involved in the talk this morning. So this is in the New Testament. It's about church. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. All right. So, children, if you're drawing pictures this morning, um, do some of these. You don't have to, but you can do... Uh, what I want to see is a picture of church with children in it. So that's your first task. And also not just children, sort of older people in it as well. And if you're feeling like Picasso, <laughs> draw... Give gifts to each other in church. And here's where it gets really complicated. Sorry, Janet, I'm laying it on thick for you to steer this. On the box, write the word mercy. So church, lots of people in it, giving each other gifts with mercy in it. All right, and I want to see these pictures at the end. Um, all right, so here's a quiz. By the way, you're part of this talk, and this is being recorded for the internet, so pressure is on now, because people are listening. So with that up there, we're learning what church is, and last week, we're following my friend's course on church, and last week, we learned that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, so he's basically a church, a unity of one, and we're made in his image. Do you remember that? And um, we then looked at Genesis 1 and Ephesians 5, which was all about Adam and Eve getting married. But actually, it's not about Adam and Eve getting married. Because Paul says in Ephesians, it's about church getting to know and to marry Jesus as Lord. So guess what, everybody and children, you might be a bit young for this bit. But you're not made to have boyfriends and girlfriends, though that stuff is nice. You can have an even better relationship than marriage to a human person, and that's to be married to Jesus, who is a human person. They are, I've just confused everybody. <laughs> but uh, all right, moving on. Um, so, some questions. You've got 10 seconds to look at this question. Here's question one. According to this, which is all about church, that people are chosen, who chose church? Who chose the people in church? All right, take 10 seconds, have a look. I'll have a drink of water. While you're getting the answer, I think there's a fair trade fair after this meeting as well, isn't there, in that mm -hmm. hall, so you're all welcome to that. So, 
Who chose church? Anybody want to shout it out? It doesn't matter if you're wrong. Shall I tell you? Oh, go on, shout it. Any children? Yeah, all right. Boys and girls, did you hear that? If you're part of church, God has chosen church. I don't know if you were growing up and you had that experience of being picked last Mm. in football or cricket or rugby. Did you ever have that? It's not nice to be picked last. And it's like, oh, you're the weakest. You're being picked last. The great news is God does things the other way around. He actually finds weak people and says, no, they're first. So children and adults, it doesn't matter if you're last in school or anything like that. Jesus, the high priest, finds weak people who aren't particularly amazing at stuff, and he brings them into his church. All right, next question. What were church people chosen to be? So have a look. What are church children chosen to be? So God has chosen church, but what are we chosen to be? That's question two. There's a few answers here, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Royal priesthood. Holy. Yeah, you got it. Livers of good lives. Priests. Royal. I don't know, children. Can you now make yourself look like royals? Sorry, Janet. Can they look like royalty? (laughs) On that note about the high priest that we're all in the image of. We're all mini priests, apparently. Nick, can you now put Rowan's picture up of the high priest? This is it. Look at that! We should sell that. There, there is the high priest, the ancient high priest, with 12 jewels on his chest. He would go into the presence of the Father in the ancient church and pray for the church people, and it was on his heart, all 12 tribes. And God would listen Pour blessings on the priest and it would flow back out into church. In church, we connect with the living God because of the great high priest. So there is the high priest covered in oil and it's just going out onto the people. Honestly, that is one of the best pictures I've ever seen. Um, And I don't know if you know this, but that's had five times more online traffic than all of our other posts. Like that is... Basically, that's going to be on BBC News this week, the way it's going. (laughs) Like a thousand people have looked at that picture. But this text says, we're also called to be priests in the image of that priest, to go out and find people and tell them about God and connect them to God. That's all of us together in church. That's what God has chosen us to be. Children, what do you want to be when you're older? A Juventus striker? Yeah. (laughs) There's a boxer or two around here somewhere, isn't there? That's a chess, chess player. Farmers, my boys want to be farmers. Um, this goes one better. Uh, can we have the one Peter back up, please? Thanks, Nick. Sorry. This says uh, one better. We're actually chosen to be God's special possession. So whatever you want to be when you're older, you should also be really impressed by thinking... Whatever job I get, I'm God's special possession. He's chosen me. Adults, as we get older, we can't do stuff as well as we used to do. Isn't it good that in church, it's not about our performance. We're chosen to be God's special possession, whatever our abilities are. 
Um, I just think the harder life gets, that message is so critical that God chooses people and values them whatever they can offer. So aim to be a McDonald's manager or whatever it is you want to be when you're older, but never forget this. Even if you fail and you become weary and tired, God loves his church and every single member of them. So what are we saved to do? Good deeds for Jesus. Um, it, by the way, in Lakeside Primary School, as I was thinking about this this week, I was doing the school run, and a parent grabbed their kid at the start of the day and said, what was it? I wrote it down. Um, yeah, can you imagine me in the playground? Um, he, she kissed her little boy, and she said this as, the, as he went into the classroom. Be good, work hard, and be kind. Isn't that interesting? And the mum thinks that everybody will be better off if he, he'll be better off if he's good and works hard, the whole class, and she's right, because it's built into us to be doers of good works. But what's the difference in church according to this? We do good works, which is great, but for Jesus, among anybody else, we do it for our husband, Jesus. Let me tell you some good deeds which are at the heart of Christianity and that we should be displaying in church. You ready? Forgiveness. That is exemplified in Jesus who died on the cross for his church to take away their sins. Forgiveness and service to others. So children, pictures of church um, with adults and young people in it royal people in it, chosen by God. Now, adults, I don't know if you struggle with obsessions about yourself or your own lives or your own identity. In church, we get to live the way Jesus wants, and that means we get to put others before ourselves, which really helps if we're obsessed with ourselves. Jesus came for others and we're called to do good deeds like he has done the bride of Jesus acts like Jesus so really ask yourself today in the life of this church can I serve other people I'll do it for my king the death of Jesus teaches us truly how to serve each other and to forgive each other to forgive each other when you realize that we as a church have been forgiven all of our sins, it will help you overcome people who have wronged you and truly forgive them. Not just pretend, which lasts like a week, but truly forgive. All right, last but one question. What is the change that makes a person part of the bride of Jesus, part of God's church? What is the change that happens to a person? All right, I'll give you a clue. It begins with an M. <laughs> Children, if you're giving gifts to each other in your pictures, try and write the word. Now, this is a tough word, so the adults might have to help you. Adults, what is the word? Mercy. Mercy. 
What's the change that happens to a person? Let me spell this out, adults. Every person you've met which has been a blessing to you, it's been a mercy from God. Every time you've been helped in the life of church, it's a mercy from God. Every time church has been there for you, or you've been there for someone, you've been a mercy to them, they've been a mercy to you. If this is a place where we can come this morning together, that's a mercy. This is a place where we can share each other's lives and care for each other truly and want the best for each other. That's a mercy. This is a place where we can open the Bible and learn together and we all have a place and we have access to tell God everything that's on our hearts this morning, good and bad. That is a merciful gift we've received from the Father through the priest, Jesus, onto us. That's how we get it. Church is truly amazing. We don't earn church. It's a gift. Now, children, you might be fascinated by this, and I'm going to be honest a minute, children, right? I am a naughty person, and I sin. My boys are like, yes, no surprise, Daddy. <laughs> I sin a lot, and I tell you what I deserve from God the Father. Judgment. I deserve a big telling off. I do deserve to be isolated. I don't deserve anyone in this room. I certainly don't be, I'm not deserving to have Jesus as the husband of this church and as my best friend. But Jesus took all of my sin on himself on Calvary, all of it, and now he's just gifted me, all of you here today. And if you're part of church, he's gifted you that forgiveness and this bride together. That's mercy. When God does not give us what we deserve. I deserve a telling off. He hasn't given it to me. He's given me church and life and Jesus. The survival of the fittest. That is rubbish. Church is where the fittest person of all, Jesus, came to be weak to be numbered with weak people, to rescue them and get them ready for the divine marriage and bring them back to heaven. So, I cannot wait. That's just quiz one. The second one's a lot quicker. But that's quiz one. Children, quiz two. So, children, finishing off your artwork. And quiz two is from another place in the New Testament, Ephesians. Ooh. Yeesh. Right, I'll break this down. <laughs> so, this one is like, how does it work, church? All right, so if I join it, like, how, how does it work? All right. Um, let's just read 15 to 18 for my first question, right? For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you all in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Question number one. Why do we need to pray for each other. Because here, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is praying for that church in 
in Ephesus there in Turkey. Why should we pray for each other? Interestingly, the great high priest Jesus also is praying for us today. That's what the Bible says, praying for his church. But why should we? This is why the children have drawn praying people. At least I think I asked them to do that. You said people. In one of the 20 things I've asked them to do. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah, all right. Um, why do we need to pray? The answer, according to 15 to 18, there's a few, isn't it? We need the Spirit of God to help us to know the Lord better. I don't know if you've got people that you really want them to get to know Jesus. Really be praying for them. Pray for them that their hearts would warm and they'd see how amazing Jesus is. But there's another one here, and it's really important, and we learn it in church together. It's that we know hope. That we know hope. Did you pick up on that? I don't know, adults, if you ever lose sight of hope during the week. Why does church exist? Because there are people here who feel like they're going under. They feel like they're stuck in sin, other people do. Other people are stuck in depression and isolation. Church offers hope. And we're to pray for each other that we would grasp that hope in our hearts. What is the hope? Well, in this passage, in 15 to 18, it says it's an inheritance, like this great and glorious inheritance for the church. My dad said to me once, Owen, when I die, in my will you get this special thing. And I was like, yes, what is it? Well, first of all, I'm like, oh, that's really sad. <laughs> but then I'm like, dad, come on, what is it then? If it's this special thing that I've been picked out for, and I'm thinking, Ferraris, you know, um, condo in Mexico or something like that. Anyway, turns out he's got a little watch on his wrist. So, and it, it's like, um, it's not what I was expecting, actually. It was a lot less than what I was expecting. He's got this little wrist watch. Actually, when he got into it, it's, quite, it's like a family heirloom, and it is quite cool. But what do we inherit from God. What does he pass on to us? What is this glorious inheritance that he wants us to grasp with our hearts? It's a heart thing. All right, then wait, wait, wait. 19 and 20 for my second and last but one question. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. So grasp this, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his church, his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Question, what did God the Father do with us his unlimited power? What did he do with it? The answer is, he raised up Jesus from the dead. On the third day, the high priest returns and is exalted and reigning, and death is defeated. So, I'm taking a funeral this week. 
guess what the message is for a brother who's fallen asleep in Jesus? Death is defeated. What is the hope? That our biggest problem is solved in Jesus. And only church has that hope. And Paul wants church to really, for us to get that in our hearts. That is hope. When all around me is falling apart, in that I trust. Because Jesus, my um, husband, is risen. And now, here is the belter of all belters for questions, right? If we are completely joined to Jesus, and we are his bride, if we are completely joined to him, like the text says, and we share in his life, what does verses 19 and 20 mean for us as church? Let me read it again. Because we sometimes isolate Jesus as one thing and then his bride another. No, his bride goes where he goes. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the world to come. What does that mean for his bride? It means this. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. And we, get this now, are reigning with Jesus as he reigns. Not quite fully yet in the way he is, but we are with him. Romans 8 verse 30 says this. Now this is about you if you're a truster in Jesus. Those whom God predestined, he called. Those who he called... He justified, that means he made them perfect in the eyes of the Father, he's forgiven them. Those who he's justified, he has glorified. That means every single person who trusts Jesus this morning, from the children to the adults, the job is done. They're glorified. In the eyes of the Father, they are as glorious as Jesus. We're reigning with him, which means this, Christians don't die. They fall asleep in Jesus and they get more of the life they've already started having. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, what does he say? Hang on, let me get it right. I don't want to make this up. Oh, yeah, that's it. Has already passed from death to life. Only church offers that. And so my last question is this. How does church compare with all the other powers in the universe? That includes Donald Trump. <laughs> that includes any other powers you can think of which are in the news all the time. The Brexit debacle and whatever comes of that. Your manager in work. That person you're scared of in the street. The bully in the playground. How does church compare with all of this? Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, at the every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the world to come. Only church lasts forever, full of life, when all of the other powers withers away. God's people remain above angels, demons, and all earthly power. What is God doing everything for? And God placed all things under the feet of Jesus and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Guess what, children? Jesus is serving us this morning. 
He's serving all of us this morning. The Father is getting Jesus to do everything for the church. So as we have fellowship and teas and coffees now, I want you to look around at your friends and family in church and think, wow, Jesus is serving us and getting us ready for that great day in glory everlasting. Honestly, there is nothing better than being the bride of the great high priest. For his name's sake, amen.